Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. We still got two hours to go. He can't take that comparison. <laughs> I love his reaction, though, Zubin. I it's love like his reaction. tired of that. All of a sudden, he's Tyreek Hill. Good player. Tyreek Hill went in the fourth or fifth round. Fifth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, stop. Like Coach Parcells used to say, Key, let's not put him in Canton just yet. Yeah, let's I mean, not put right. him in I mean, he's Canton. not Edelman. We can't yeah. put him in there just I, I yet. Know right. we want cops to compare players and stuff like that, but then you reaching for, like, Tyreek Hill. Like, jeez. Like, come on, man. Well, you reach way up there. Yeah. You, you want to reach for something else? How about reaching for this? I think you could, it's not a reach that Kyle Pitts, of course, is the best tight end in this class. If Mel words mean anything to you there, you can make the case for Devonta Smith. You can make the case for Jalen Waddell, as you heard some of our experts say coming in this morning. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Jay back next week. Chris Canty, the Super Bowl champion, is here. Um, but I think if you want to talk about the word reach, here's one. Because while you can make the case for Pitts at his position and Smith and Waddell at theirs, it's hard to make the case that Zach Wilson is the best quarterback available in this draft. But as Key said, and rightly said, as you get closer to the draft, you start to muddy the waters a little bit. People start to say things. You're not sure what's legit, what but isn't. But I said this months and Sundays ago. Correct. Not yesterday. Key was all, all about it months ago. But over the last week and a half or so, people have sort of come out and... Unlike the anonymous sources and GMs, people are putting their name on it. Randy Mueller, the 2000 NFL Executive of the Year, came out earlier this week. Zach Wilson, who last year at this time, most people didn't even know. He thinks he's more pro-ready than Trevor Lawrence. And so does Chris Sims. And Sims knows of what he speaks, former NFL quarterback himself, saying it on the Adam Schefter podcast. Put another way, if the Jags draft Trevor Lawrence, they may regret it. It's not an indictment on Trevor Lawrence. He's a really damn good football player. I'd love for him to be the quarterback of my football team. I just like Zach Wilson more. I I look at Zach Wilson, and I think his high-end talent is greater than Trevor Lawrence, and I think he's got room to grow as a football player altogether. Chris? I respect Chris Sims' football acumen, but I don't think there's anything that Zach Wilson does on a football field that's better than Trevor Lawrence. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. I don't. And here's the thing with Zach Wilson. There's a a range of opinions on what people think he's going to be. Like, Chris Sims thinks he's the best quarterback in this class. But Paul Feinbaum intimated that Zach Wilson's a bust. Like, there are a lot of different people that see Zach Wilson in different ways. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I just feel like he's one of those draft prospects that has a really high ceiling. You could argue that he has the highest ceiling of any quarterback in this class, but he also would have the lowest floor. So, I mean, I would be terrified if I was a Jets fan knowing that this is probably going to be the guy that Joe Douglas take with the second overall Thanks, pick. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate the one that. Thing, really, thank you. I'm, Evan, Evan, I'm just, telling, I'm just telling you how I see it. The only thing that, get, that makes me lean toward this having a chance to work out is that everybody in the Jets organization is aligned with taking this kid. Like, this is going to be their guy, and whether or not their careers as general manager, as head coach, work out with the Jets is going to depend on how well Zach Wilson plays. See, I, I got my own opinion. I like Justin Fields, and I has always liked Justin Fields. When uh, we talked about this, I don't know, it was September, October, whatever the case is, and it was Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. Neck and neck. Neck and neck. I'm like, what makes y'all think that Trevor Lawrence is that much better than Justin Fields. Then you look at the p- playoffs. Justin Fields did what he was supposed to do. Obviously, he got banged up and, and, and he was hurt and he was out there hobbling trying to play. But it's always, it's just who you like, right? In the, at the end of the day, Justin Fields may turn out to be better than all four of the quarterbacks 
essentially rated ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when you look at Lamar Jackson, he was the 32nd player picked. They had to move back. Baltimore Ravens and Ozzie Newsom moved back into the first round to take a guy that essentially was told he might want to think about moving positions. Mm-hmm. And what? he won the MVP. You know, so it's like it just depends on what you like, the flavor of the month. My flavor, I like Justin Fields. And it's not that I dislike any of the other ones. I just like Justin Fields. Let's take Eddie in New York here, and then I want to tell you something about why I think this is such an interesting draft with the personalities of all these guys. But, Eddie, the Giants pick 11th. What are you, what are you thinking here? Well, listen, first of all, Key, Chris, you know, you're my guys. So, on the Giants, first of all, I give Gettleman, he's done a terrible job. If I'm the Giants for the fifth year in a row, I'll say it again, they should trade down. They should get two, uh, address two positions on the offensive line and get the tight end from Penn State, and maybe they can get going. But my, my thing is, Gettleman, this is do or die. They go 7-10, and 10, and Barkley doesn't look that good, and Daniel Jones doesn't look that good. All three of them can be gone. My question is, if you're Gettleman, do you lean on the future next two drafts to do something in this draft? Do you borrow against future draft to make sure something happens this year? I think it all just depends on where you think your team is. If you, if you think your team is a, a piece or two away from really making some noise within the division and there's something there that makes sense to you that somebody can help you right now, then, yeah, you, you, you look to address that situation. Yeah. I think a lot of times general managers and personnel people get caught into the – what they really desire and want in a player opposed to what certain needs are that they need to address. And if it's a need that's there, then you address it versus, oh, I really like that player. I want him. Well, do you really need him? Yeah, and here's what the Giants have working in their favor, to your point, Key. Like, with all of these quarterbacks being pushed up, the positions that they need are going to fall a little bit closer to them. So I don't know that Dave Gettleman is going to have to leverage future draft capital in order to get a guy that can – that can impact this team and help them win in 2021. I just don't see that. Yeah, it's a tricky situation that yeah. Eddie brought up because obviously if, you know, in, in one breath, Eddie says he's got to win now, and then in the second breath, he says he's got to play it for the future. So it's sort of a tricky balance to be in. We'll take your draft calls, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. What should your team do? Who are we not thinking about? Are there studs that nobody's talked about? Greg in Louisville's got one of those in one second. Greg, hang tight. I want to get to you to talk about this electrifying player for sure. But what's interesting about this draft is we've all come to the same spot. Trevor Lawrence was can't miss, and that was known in high school. Mm -hmm. Everyone missed Andre Lance, and he's right there. Justin Fields had to transfer to get an opportunity to play, And Mac Jones decided to not transfer, wait his turn, and play. So everybody sort of took a different path, but they're all here today. I mean, Kyle Trask barely started in high school. And people are saying that this guy could be a wild card in the NFL. Key, not too hot on this. But Key, you love position players that have a ton of speed and talent, so you're going to love this. Greg in Louisville, hit me with this guy. Why aren't we talking more about this guy? Because we were talking about him every Saturday for a couple years. Man, y'all was talking about comparables to Tyree Hill. He's got four two nine speed. That's the same as Tyree Hill. Forty two and a half inch vertical. That's more than Chase Claypool. He did twenty four reps on the bench. That's almost as much as DK Metcalf. Single handedly dismantled Ohio State all by itself as a freshman. 
Rondell Moore is the most electrifying athlete coming into the draft, maybe in the last five years. Wow. And, and so – Makes good points. You see why you, – you see why I say some of the things I say. Like, I can get Rondell Moore in the third round, man. Great value. I don't need to take Waddle. I can get Rondell Moore, and he's right. If I'm looking at comparisons to Tyreek Hill, I put on the Purdue film. I say, okay, I can do this with this guy. I can fly Mm -hmm. sweep him. I can line him up in the backfield. I can line him up outside. I can do some of the same things that they do in Kansas City, and I don't have to draft a guy in the top ten picks. It's it's true. As I said to you yesterday, Canty, if you 6'4", and you 225, and you run a sub 4-4, now let's have a conversation. Yeah. But if you Tavon Austin, hey, we ain't really going to have that conversation in that. No, we're not doing that because I can find you in the draft. Yeah, what it comes down to is scarcity, right, Key? Either the guy has prototypical size or he's got this dominant trait that you're not going to be able to find with anybody else in that particular draft class. Like, that's what it's all about. Like, you use significant draft capital for guys you can't find. With a guy like Jalen Waddle, you can find other receivers I can that have him. similar skill sets. So it doesn't make sense if you're Dave Gettleman and the Giants to invest the 11th overall pick in that particular player, especially when you have needs in other areas of your team. We talked about it yesterday. The Giants have to still address their offensive line. That group is a work in progress. They lost their best offensive lineman because he was a cap casualty in Kevin Zeitler. You still need another pressure player in the front seven of your defense. There are other things that you need to do in this draft early on. And so I think I can think of a lot of different ways to use that 11th overall pick. I don't think a wide receiver is the best use no, of that pick. Not at all. No question about it. Plus, I mean, Rondell Moore played against quality competition. He checks all the other Rondell boxes. Moore is explosive. There's no question oh, about yeah. it. I like oh, him. Yeah. From day one, his first college game, he was like, whoa, who is this? I mean, this he's dude? an itty-bitty, but I still like him. He's great. Let's get back to your callers in a second. But first, a reminder, we're brought to you by Mako. Get a refresh with your refund during Mako's tax season sales event for expert pain and collision repair. Use their contactless services. It's as easy as book, quote, fix. Uh-oh, better get Mako. Terms and conditions apply. Brady in Indiana, you're on ESPN Tom, Radio. hey, how you doing? <laughs> that is odd, right, with, the, with their history with Indianapolis. Yes, what up? Yeah, um, I want to talk about Justin Fields because I think he's just getting snubbed. And I originally, Keyshawn, I'm from Ohio, okay, but I don't like how they're snubbing him. And wherever he goes, I hope he ball out. That's all I got to say. But look, Brady, here's what I would say. He's not being snubbed because the decision makers aren't the ones that's putting the stuff out there. You you got to remember, this is it's a draft process. And and I and when I start working with Zuman, Canty, and, and Jay Will at the beginning of, of the season, basically in college football, and I was trying to give them the pressure points and the times as you go through this draft process. There's pressure points that they hit. Along the way. Now we're getting there into the month of April and we're here. So this is what happens with guys. People start saying things, Mm -hmm. but it's not the people making the decisions. Like everybody, as I said to you before, in October, November, whenever it was, he's the best quarterback or he's the best running back. Who's saying that? Who? These coaches and general managers are trying to survive the NFL season. They've yet to have an opportunity to put their hands on these players. Then they get to senior bowls and whatever little makeshift combines they go to this year, private workouts. Now they have an opportunity to sit down and talk 
whether it's Zoom or, or whatever the case is, watch film on guys because you best to believe that the New Orleans Saints was not watching film of players that they're going to draft in the month of November. They weren't just – Sean Payton didn't have time to do that. He would try to figure out how to beat Minnesota again or beat some team again. And so now the decision makers are seeing these things. Chris, you and I both went through it when we were drafted. You get closer to the draft. You got the so-called people out there spreading this and spreading that. But then come the 29th, the decision makers – are the ones who make the calls. 29th, April 29th, NFL Draft, ESPN, ESPN Radio. Keith in Gainesville, Florida, what do you have? Good morning, gentlemen. Enjoy your show. Thank you for taking my call. Um, my question for you is simple. I have tunnel vision as a Dolphins fan for Kyle Pitts. What are our chances of picking him up in the draft? Where, where are they, where are they, where are they they're, they're at six right now, yeah, but Mel the projected them yep. to move up to four. Yeah, I, I, look. If if that's what they think they need, it, it's a good fit because you got a young quarterback, mm-hmm. you got another weapon to go with Parker. You probably pick up something else on the offensive side of, of the ball. Uh, Kyle Pitts would be at that spot; it would be fine. But I, I wouldn't have a problem with I wouldn't have a problem with them picking up Kyle Pitts. They must understand though when you take a guy that high at that at this position, mm-hmm. you've got to figure out how to get him the football. Plus. Mm-hmm. I need him to be able to block you, man. Yeah. I, I can't take a dude in the top five at tight end and he's playing receiver every damn down. Well, yeah, Key, that's not going to happen. He ain't blocking defensive ends and guys like that. So he's, then, not, he's not a trained killer as an inline blocker. That's not who Kyle Pitts so, is. But that's not why you're drafting him. What but makes what him, am I drafting him for well, What makes him special is that he's got that size that makes him a matchup nightmare. He's too big for you to put a corner on him, but, but he's too elusive. He's too athletic for you to match him up with a linebacker or a safety. That's why you're drafting. So how a guy many times like am I going to put the ball in his hands? That's a great question. That's a great that, question. I think it comes down to because I believe they do have to add a weapon for Tua. It comes down to Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts for the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. I think there's one player that you would have to move up for. There's probably one that you wouldn't. I think Jamar Chase will be there at six if that ends up being their guy. We'll get to Scott in North Carolina in a second, Shane in Oregon. But this is a perfect opportunity for David in Virginia. Dolphins and pass catchers. What you have? I don't think we should take a wide receiver at number four or six. I think there's a ton of wide receiver talent out there, and he has his, uh, Chase is a very, very unique talent. Uh, if we take Pitts, that'll be wonderful. I wouldn't have mind taking Sewell because we still got to get people that will that is a trained killer that will protect uh, Tua in that backfield. Desperately, we need that. So I am not of the opinion that we take a wide receiver early, and that usually doesn't work out. I mean, you know, you've had a couple of great ones over the years, but early wide receivers don't always pan out. You can you can find wide receivers. There's no question about it. I mean, if a guy is like special and you feel like he is, he brings something to your locker room. He uh, changes the face of the franchise. Everything that's thrown his way, he catches it. He moves the chains. All of those sort of things, and he's a nightmare for for defense then, yeah, you, you could take him high. But I think you can always get a bona fide star-studded wide receiver later on in the draft if the draft is stocked with receivers. There's no question about it. You, Pene Sewell, would be a great pickup for them to be able to protect Tua if Tua's your guy long-term. I don't know if Sewell's going to be there, though. The Cincinnati, the, the Cincinnati Bengals. No, the Dolphins are at I know, six. I know, but if they move up to if four. If they move up to four, 
would they be willing to pay, pay what it takes to move up to four to take Panay Sewell? That would be the question. Well, then, because if you don't get in front of Cincinnati, Cincinnati going to take him. So you, if you are targeting him, you have to be able to move up and you have to be able to be willing to pay whatever it takes to move up to get him. Yeah, but see, to me, I guess the Dolphins who started at three, this would be one of those situations where they got too cute and put themselves out of position to get the guy that they knew they wanted all along. To me, it suggests with all of this maneuvering that they're doing that they're going a different direction, and there are a couple of guys that they're looking at. I think that they're trying to find weapons for two. I think that's the direction that they would be going with it, and it makes sense because you got to have somebody for the guy to throw the ball to. Shane in Oregon, thanks for waking up early. What do you have? I'm just going to tag in uh, with today's Sewell, but uh, to the big D, uh, they need more big boys down there, and they know how to do offense. So protect that money you just invested with Dak. Scott, North Carolina. So, okay, so Kyle, Kyle Shanahan, it, it sounds like he's not uh, high on Jimmy Garoppolo, right? But why would they give that much draft capital to basically draft someone that's basically just like Jimmy Garoppolo again. Mac Jones is comparable to Jimmy Garoppolo so much more than any of the other guys they could take. I just don't see it. I don't see why they'd give up that much to to basically draft someone who is very similar in skill set. You and me either, buddy. And I don't think that they I don't think that they moved up to go get Mac Jones. But that's just me. I what do I know? It's I not just, just you, because we had this conversation. You know I'm on the same page that you're on. Yeah, like, why would you move up to go get Mac Jones? He, he probably, you know, I, I don't know what he did and why they did it, but I know it ain't for Mac Jones. I would be shocked if, like, I, don't, I can't see where John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan has moved up and gave up what they gave up to go get Mac Jones. It just doesn't, it doesn't fit, doesn't sound right. I can't certainly tell him who to draft. He drafts who the hell he wants to draft. Mm-hmm. But I'm going off checking the box in history, mm-hmm. knowing his dad and knowing him mm-hmm. and looking at the quarterbacks full circle that have been under their tutelage right. in their styles of play. Mac Jones ain't close to none of them. Not, not one. I'll go through the exercise again. Denver Broncos, John Elway, Bubby Brister, Jake Plummer, uh, Greasy Cutler, yep. move to Washington, RG3, not even close. Yeah. Kirk Cousins, not even close. He's not close to them in terms of moving around in the pocket, all of those things. And then you go and trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not – Jimmy Garoppolo can move around until he hurt his ACL. Mm-hmm. So I don't see – and you were trying to make a play for Deshaun Watson. Yeah. So how is that even remotely close – to any of those guys, and if you told me that he coached Drew Bledsoe and Vinny Testaverde, and that's what they like, then I'm like, oh, Mac Jones fits right into mm-hmm. what they like. Slower mm-hmm. plotting, yes. pro style standing there. Yeah, if you told me he was, he, they coached Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Jim Kelly, I would be like, oh, yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. Jim, Drunk, Jim Drunkenmiller. <laughs> that fits, right? Virginia Tech's finest. He's going in a way back machine yeah. with that one. I'm just thinking of, I'm thinking of a Joe Flacco. I'm just thinking of big, tall slugs. It makes sense. Last word, Tyler in Florida. Get in on this. What do you have? Uh, how you doing? I was just wanting to talk about, like, I think I, I wanted to know the question of how do these GMs and stuff like that 
figure out their mock drafts? Do they actually look at Mel Kuyper's and time and say mock draft? Because, you know, they got wide receivers going to Dolphins and tight ends going to Dolphins. But to me, I think they don't need one because they got Will Fuller and uh, Gusecki. Gusecki is a great tight end to me. And they had two other tight ends that was great at blocking. That was just my question. I, I don't know how they do their mock drafts. I mean, everybody does it different. I'm sure that they look at some people or talk to some people in the scouting world that is not necessarily tied to the NFL about what they see or what they think. Um, But for the most part, general managers and scouts and personnel people kind of form their own opinions. At least that's what I think. Um, At least the good ones do. Yes, and I think that's an important distinction. Obviously, anybody can put together a mock draft. The stakes are much higher when it's a real draft. But what's interesting about the mock drafts when you think about them is that a lot of times when Mel or Todd or Daniel Jeremiah or any of the guys that do this for a living – when they make these trades, they're not just doing it to get clicks. It's just Keith said, there's some intel there that mm-hmm. said they may be interested, so let me go up there and say this could be a possible swap. So there's some breadcrumbs. They're not clues yeah. and nobody's going to tell you anything. Yeah. But when you see somebody who's plugged in as Mel, who's done this for 43 years, saying these two teams could make a trade, that is an indication that he knows that a couple of teams are could interested here yeah. and there. So there's some value in those mock drafts, but as Key said, you got to c- hold it as close to the vest as you can. Man, Keyshawn, I'm not talking yeah. to him if I'm general manager. I'm keeping all my <laughs> right. right <here>. For you <laughs> right. to go tell Canty, I'm getting ready to do this. Right, but yeah. in any business, if I could sit there and pick the brain of somebody who's been watching the draft for 43 years, it's great information to have available. And you can check out Mel's mock draft right now. Or you can get ESPN into an Plus. argument like Mel did when he was, remember that? When he got to the argument with Bill Tobin. With Bill Tobin. <laughs> yep, mid 90s. <laughs> Who the hell is Mel Kuyper? if you're too young for that that's why youtube was invented it was actually a great moment and probably validated mel more than anything because when an nfl gm calls you out because you're sitting on the set with boomer that shows i'm listening to this guy i want to hear this guy's opinion but it was an absolutely great tv gold moment tv gold moment. at that moment i would i would say that mel probably got that one right yeah Yes. Just saying. Yes. Probably had that one right. Yes, no, des- no doubt about it. That was a tough little stretch there for the Colts in that period of time. Okay, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests appear on the Goodyear hotline. Let's just say this. If you like to gamble or you like to look at things other than the final score, if the other numbers matter to you, the over-under on the next segment is going to be about 10 minutes. Take the over-under. A historic night in the NBA When it comes to gambling, something Adam Silver's wanted all along, and it's all tonight on ESPN Networks. Hang tight for that if you're a gambling fan. It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, or Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Keyshawn! (laughs) I I never know if I want to go KJZ or Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. So you get caught in between, you get caught in the middle? Gotcha. (laughs) Yes, on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus... 
Their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Hang on, my man, Doug Kazarian. We got other options, too. If you can't watch the game, if you can't get in front of your TV, ESPN, as Kenny Maid would say, my colleague, ESPN the regular. <laughs> That's where you can see uh, the Nets and the Sixers if you just want to watch the traditional game broadcast like you've been watching the NBA for years. On ESPN2, as Doug said, there'll be a special gambling edition of the show, which we're going to talk about here in a second, branded by our gambling show, Daily Wager. And if you don't have cable, you're a younger person, you got ESPN+. Plus. You could also check out this gambling program on ESPN+. Plus. There's a fourth option, because we want to make sure you get a part of this in some way, shape, or form. The NBA's on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight. The Nets and the Sixers, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on most of these ESPN radio stations. It's a watershed moment for the NBA because you remember when Adam Silver took over, one of the first things he did, everybody talks about Donald Sterling, but one of the next things he did, he very famously wrote an uh, opinion piece, an op-ed in the New York Times. The NBA commissioner, when every league is shying away from gambling, right, because of the taboo nature of it, he wrote a piece in the New York Times saying, gambling needs to come out of the light And sports needs to understand how important gambling is to sports and sports fans. So it's no mistake and probably no coincidence that tonight the NBA, to use a gambling term, and ESPN are going all in tonight. Net Sixers, daily wager, pregame show, give you all the lines, the trends, the bets, everything you need to know. Halftime, what happened, how should we bet the second half, everything. Joe Fortenbaugh, ESPN Daily Wager, will be a part of it. Alongside Doug Kazarian, Kendrick Perkins will be there as well, and he joins us this morning. Okay, tell us what we can expect if you're a hardcore gambling fan, first-time gambler, what we can expect tonight on this historic, unprecedented broadcast. Action, baby. What else do you think we're going to be talking about tonight? Action. Two verb, man, not verb, syllables, I guess is the word I'm looking for here. Always great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me on. We went through the rehearsal last night for Clippers Pacers out here in the Las Vegas studio uh, at the link overlooking Caesars Palace, and we had a great time with it, you know, trying to fill the time. You think to yourself, all right, because I heard Keyshawn talking about this before. To give you an idea of what this is going to look like on ESPN2, we're going to have a pregame show starting at 7. We're going to lay out our prop bets. We're going to talk about the game, the side, the total, the line movement. We're going to try to do a combination of education and entertainment, right? Because there are going to be a lot of people tonight that are new to this. As all the states continue to make decisions as to whether or not they're going to legalize sports betting. By the way, shout out the great people of Arizona and Maryland for coming on board in the last couple days. People need to be educated on this. People want to be educated on this. They want to try to understand how all this works. So we're going to do that. We're going to talk about what we like. We're going to talk about what we're betting. And then we're going to work our way through the game talking about in-game wagering as well. For those who might be new to that, in-game wagering is essentially the opportunity to bet on the game while it's in progress. You might see a game tonight because we're going to do it for Sixers-Nets where Philadelphia is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. But if the Nets jump up 10 nothing in the opening three minutes, you will get a new point spread at which time you could bet that. You might get something like Nets minus one in that scenario. So a lot of education, a lot of entertainment, a lot of fun. We're really looking forward to it tonight. Well, that was a quick education for me right there. So, Joe, (laughs) with that being said, what's the best prop bet tonight? I'm still shaking through a lot of that. The first thing I'm going to be looking at, and I was going through this last night, was the line regarding Philadelphia, and it depends on where you look. What gets tricky about this game is, 
is essentially the Brooklyn Nets and who they're going to be trotting out onto the court. With all the injuries, with all the new faces, this is one of the more challenging teams to try to handicap this year because you can't just look at traditional or advanced metrics. Blake Griffin has only played with them in so many games, right? Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge has only been with them for so many games. Even though Durant's been there since the beginning of last year, he's only played a handful of games this year. Kyrie Irving's in and out of the lineup, same with James Harden. So it's become very difficult to try to figure out what to expect with this team because we only have this this very minute sample size as to what we can expect from them when some of them are playing together. What we do know is that when Philadelphia plays at home, Philadelphia is absolutely fantastic. And this isn't just this season, but for this season alone, 20 and 5 straight up, 16 and 9 against the spread when playing at Wells Fargo Center. They're winning those games by an average of 6.84 points per game. It's a lofty line tonight. I kind of like Philadelphia to jump up early, so if you're looking for a prop, Philly in the first quarter, Philly in the first half, I am looking at Philly for the game because I think tonight both teams are going to bring their A games. The difference is that Philly's rested. Philly's a little bit deeper in my opinion. Philly plays better defense, and Philly's got continuity. These guys have been playing together for a little while, whereas with Brooklyn, it's a lot of guys shuffling in and out, and they were just in Minnesota yesterday taking on the Timberwolves. So I do like Philadelphia to get up early in this game. Joe, I got another one for you because we all want our audience to make a little corn. We want our listeners to get a little bit of a bonus for uh, for tuning in to KJZ. What is your lock for tonight? (laughs) There are a handful of games I'm looking at, and I'm going to throw all of them at you right now. I would play Philadelphia like I just mentioned in a variety of ways. I'd also look to the team total for the Chicago Bulls against the Orlando Magic. For those wondering what that is, you can bet on how many points an individual team will score in a game. In this instance, it's Chicago, 113.5 points. Will they go over or under? I believe they're going to go over in this game. Orlando's defense has been absolutely atrocious. 23rd in defensive rating. They're giving up an average of 123 points per game over their last six outings. But the key in a bet like this is we need a team that can not only score, but we need a team that's going to give up some points as well so that it's competitive for four quarters so they don't take their foot off the gas late in the game. And Chicago's a team that has struggled on defense throughout the course of the season. 18th in defensive rating, 20th in points allowed. Orlando's been a mess, but I think they can stay close long enough, long enough for Chicago to keep their foot on the gas. So I'd say Bulls over 113.5 points as a team total. I'd also look to the Wizards laying 1.5 at the Kings tonight. Uh, Sacramento's going to be without Rashawn Holmes, right hamstring injury. Their offensive rating plummets when he's not on the court. With them on the court, they have an offensive rating of 6th in the NBA. Without him, that falls all the way to 28th. Washington, very quietly, has covered the point spread in four of their last five road games, whereas the Kings have covered the point spread in just four of their last 10 home games. So I'd be looking at that Bulls team total over. I'd be looking at Washington, Philadelphia. I think you can make some money betting the over in Memphis-Dallas tonight. When Porzingis plays, the offense is much better and the defense is much worse for the Mavericks. The Memphis Grizzlies play at a fast pace as well and I think if you want to look at the Minnesota Milwaukee over 236 and a half the Timberwolves don't play any defense whatsoever and they're going to get the highest scoring team in the league tonight Joe it's all on tonight ESPN ESPN 2 ESPN plus ESPN radio the truly unprecedented night gambling takes center stage alongside the Sixers and the Nets we'll look forward to tonight Joe thank you
Thanks, boys. Always a pleasure. Have a great show. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. They had the rehearsal last night. We'll do it for real tonight. And as Chris said, it's probably the leading edge of something. I can't imagine this is going to be the last time we're going to see. Not at all. Not at all. Broadcast. Great stuff. We'll wait to see what happens tonight. Oh, by the way, it's actually a really big game, too. (laughs) You know? Yeah, the the best teams in the Eastern Conference. I mean, so this is going to determine who's in the driver's seat to be able to have home court. And we're imagining that these two teams are going to meet in the Eastern Conference Finals. Certainly seems like it. On the way, we'll fill in the blank. Aaron Rodgers ends his career where? And could Steph Curry end it anywhere but Golden State? We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Subin, the podcast. We've got some hot-button sports issues. I'll start a sentence. Key and Chris will finish it. We got some juicy ones here. Starting with this one. Jeopardy host Aaron Rodgers will finish his career with fill-in-the-blank. Green Bay Packers. Definitive. I think he's going to finish his career with the Green Bay Packers. I understand the conversation is they haven't done his contract or, or gotten any serious negotiations with it. There's a long ways to go, man. They're not getting ready to let this dude walk out the building. Yeah, I'm with Key on this one. Aaron Rodgers finishes his career with the Packers. Like you're wondering whether or not it's going to be a Brett Favre Aaron Rodgers situation where Rodgers supplanted him, right. or is it going to be like Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo where the organization made a decision to move off of the Aaron parent in lieu of giving the franchise guy a few more seasons to make a run at it? I think it ends up being the latter. Aaron Rodgers finishes as a Packer. Rodgers, Favre. Rodgers, Bob Barker. I mean, the comparison, the comparisons are just it's spade and neuter all your animals. Give me that skinny mic. Can I get the skinny mic? Josh Allen is the fill-in-the-blank best quarterback from the 2018 draft. That's the Baker, Darnold, Rosen, Lamar, five QBs in the first round draft. Josh Allen is fill-in-the-blank. Second best quarterback. Behind. Behind uh, Lamar. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say he is the best quarterback. I don't even need to add a superlative in front of it. I think he's the most complete of the quarterbacks that went in the first round in that year's draft. I just trust more of what I'm going to get from Josh Allen long-term than Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I'll go with Lamar. Just, you know, there's only a handful of guys that have ever been a unanimous MVP. That's incredible. Lamar's done it. I mean, Josh he's, out there, he's out there doing it by himself, though. Mm-hmm. 
offensively. I mean, he ain't got no weapons around him. You've you been talking about a number one signed. receiver for They still really <laughs> hadn't really signed. They got Sammy. Yeah. Sammy Watkins went over there. Went I mean, healthy. Went healthy. <laughs> yeah, like, stop. I mean, Sammy's my boy, but they, they needed to get a young dude, but whatever. I think I know the answer to this one. No, I probably don't. Represented by Progressive Insurance. Julian Edelman was a, quote, was a, excuse me, fill-in-the-blank wide receiver. I'm going to go with Hall of Fame. I'll see myself out. After <laughs> I'll see myself out. Julian Edelman was a Hall of Fame wide receiver. That, that's me. Fill-in-the-blank. He's a what? Fill-in-the-blank wide receiver. He's a New England Patriot. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. What, what do you want me to say? Good, great. You know, it's like you say good. It's like, oh, you're only saying good. If you say great, why would you call him great when he's only good? I mean, Julian Edelman did what he was supposed to do. He got the most out of what he was supposed to from the New England Patriots. Zubin, I'm going to say he was a clutch wide receiver. Came up in big moments yep. in the postseason. Second go. most postseason catches of any receiver all time. You remember that Super Bowl 51, was it? Super Bowl 51 catch he made as a part of that comeback against the Atlanta Falcons. So I'm going to say Julian Edelman was a clutch receiver. There you go. He's Indeed. a clutch receiver. Apropos adjective, three Super Bowl wins, a Super Bowl MVP to boot in one of the greatest catches. He had a couple great catches in postseason lore. Uh, Steph Curry will finish his career with the fill-in-the-blank. Golden State Warriors. Yeah, there appears to be one answer, but there's some, you know, talk, right? There's some talk, but... Yeah, but go, Golden State, he's one of those players. He's a Kobe. He's a Magic. That's who he is. He's not one going guy. anywhere. One team. Yeah, he's that. that's who he is. Mr. Warrior. He's Mr. Warrior. I'm going to say Steph Curry will finish his career with his hometown team, the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, if things continue to trend the way they are at Golden State, they're going to break up that band eventually. I I just sense the frustration with Steph Curry. Not saying it's going to happen this year or next year, but I could eventually see Steph Curry deciding that he's going to go back home and play for the Charlotte Hornets. Mm -hmm. His dad is a broadcaster with the Hornets. He's on the broadcast team or has been in years. Uh, One other thing I would say about Steph, to your point, we've got a great Steph stat here. He's the first player age 32 or older with 350-plus games in a season. Mm -hmm. Stats Incredible brought to you by My Computer Career. Man, he can fill it up. For a better life. Yeah, he can. One of those came earlier this week when he had 53. That's when he passed Will to become the Warriors' all-time leading scorer. One thing I would say quickly is that you do see Steph's a really placid guy. He's very cool, calm, and collected. But, you know, earlier this season, they lost a game by 53 points. They were Mm -hmm. down 61 in that game. They were down 61 points in an NBA game this season. And after some games, the Warriors aren't the attention-seeking squad we've seen before the five straight finals, so they're not on the headlines of ESPN.com every day. But... He's been very vocal after games. This is not acceptable. What's going on? You normally see the nice Curry, but he's yeah. a competitor. And that may be the only reason he wants to leave because, like you said, it's already fraying. You know, KD's mm-hmm. gone. Dre's unhappy. Clay's hurt. You never know. Just keep that in mind. A little personality switch for Steph, which probably is deserved with the way they're playing at this particular point. The best movie franchise ever. We'll go a little outside of sports. The best movie franchise ever is... Oh, I got to go with Rocky. I, I could just not go with Rocky. It's got to be Rocky, right? It has to be Rocky. I mean, listen, there's some of the ones that they made at the end, not necessarily on board with, but I, I got to go with the Rocky film franchise. Star Wars? Star Wars or Star Trek. He thinks they're the same thing, by the way. Star Wars and Outer Star space, Trek. right? Same thing. <laughs> it's out of this world. <laughs> All right, back to football. The most underrated quarterback in the NFL right now, that's a, that's a term that's in the eye of the beholder, but the most underrated QB in the NFL right now is fill in the blank. Dak Prescott? Mm. Underrated, but not overpaid, not underpaid. 
That's Underra- for sure. Underrated, but not underpaid. Dak Prescott's a good one. Um, let's see here. I'm going to go with Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr. Derek That's Carr is an one. underrated quarterback. Again, yeah, a top Derek ten, Carr. top ten offense, top ten passer rating last year. That team going into the final month of the season was knocking at the door of the playoffs. So I think Derek Carr doesn't get the respect but, around yeah. NFL circles I, that he deserves. I would, I would say both of those guys. Right, they don't get the respect. Like Canty says, I would put Dak Prescott in the same situation, even though he's one of the top three highest paid quarterbacks. People just, for whatever reason, they feel a certain way about him and Derek at the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, I may have to. This may be worse than my Edelman take, but I'm I'm going to go with Jimmy Garoppolo. I honestly, I don't, I I don't, I don't see this. I mean, he's 22 and eight as their starter. I know he's had a lot of weapons. Key says they don't let him throw in the biggest of spots, but no, they don't. I, 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 hey, <laughs> come over here and throw the get a ball to the running back. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they got to the Super Bowl. Don't you dare. He all, I don't know which game it was. It was either the Minnesota or the Green Bay game. He almost threw a pick. Kyle Shanahan was like, ride 35 base. <laughs> Run it back. <laughs> Toss sweep right. I was laughing. It was so funny. That was on their way to the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Let's have a little fun with this one. Um, because uh, So at least we can mention in the annals of the uh, KJZ history, we actually talk hockey for one second. Fill in the blank. Won the NHL trade deadline. It just passed if you had no idea that was the case. I'm going to go with the Islanders. Made the trade this is actually with, a legit answer. Made, I was going to say the Islanders. They made the trade Me with too. the Devils, being able to bring over Kyle Palmieri and Travis yeah. Zajac. And you got to trust what Lou Lamarillo was doing. They're second in the East right now. But that's a team that could make a push and get over the hump. Lou's done a great job. That's the, Lou has done a terrific job. All right. 24 seconds on hockey. If I was gambling like Joe Fortenbaugh, I would have I bet the under. And I would have lost. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're done with the hockey talk. Back to more football talk. The Cowboys and Kyle Pitts together? That's next. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.